With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Ruthie today. Enjoy your Agent Podcast, Instant Reaction Podcast, following Iowa's 17-10 win against Minnesota. Coming to you from the capital of the United States, the capital of something, St. Joseph, Missouri, where we're recording this episode. 17-10 Iowa wins. Um, you know, this is a, an odd game from the standpoint, well, I shouldn't say odd. It's very similar to what we've seen from this offense all season. Uh, very offensive play at times. I think through Iowa's first 12 drives, eight of those drives were three and outs. Iowa was just didn't get it going there were some Bronx cheers in this game some you know if you're not familiar with what that is you're talking about fans basically sarcastically cheering when Iowa gets a first down as they'd struggled on offense quite a bit football is about a few things if you're a coach it's about winning doesn't matter how it just matters about winning but if you're a fan it's about winning for sure but it's also about being entertained and you, you want to feel like those three or four hours you spend inside the stadium or in your house watching the game to distract you from you know your workaday life in the best of times is a worthwhile exchange. Or if you go to the games, the seven hours or more that you spend to get there, the money that you spend, you want to feel like that is an equitable transaction. But when you're not winning regularly and you're also boring to watch by and large, that that's when things can get rough, and that's when you know apathy can creep in. And I'm not saying I was full on apathy. They're five and three in a year that not a lot of people expected them to be much better than six and six or seven and five. But there were times in this game. Uh, Late in the third quarter, early in the first quarter, on first down, Iowa completed an eight-yard pass, Stanley to Easley, and there I, I didn't hear an audible cheer. I didn't hear clapping. It was like, okay, do people still think this game's in the timeout uh, in the exchange? And that is that is rare. That is rare to see that or hear that rather from the Kinnick Stadium crowd. Sorry, I had to turn my gain down on my mic. There was some booing in this game when Iowa's offense was ineffective. And it was ineffective for most of the game. 15 total drives in this game by Iowa. And the Hawkeyes, I'm trying to go in and find uh, the punting statistics special teams. 15 total drives, and Iowa had nine punts. 
on 15 total drives. Their average punts, uh, 37.7 yards per punt. Colton Rashtetter, actually, with those rugby-style punts, uh, were more uh, effective on the night than Ryan Gersandi's punts. He, he struggled, uh, again, as Iowa's special teams still struggle to get going, at least in the punting game. On the game, Iowa gained 315 yards to 281 for Minnesota. Iowa ran 60 plays, 5.2 yards per play. Minnesota only averaged 3.9 yards per play. As has often been the case in the Kirk Ferentz era at Iowa, the defense is what won you the game. Now, Nate Stanley, I thought he had a solid game. He was 15 to 27 for 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The interception wasn't his fault. Uh, that was a beautifully thrown ball to Amir Smith Marset, about 45 yards in the air in a bucket. It hit Smith Marset in the face mask. That would have been a 95 yard touchdown had he caught the ball. Instead, it was an interception. You had four or five drops in this game by Iowa. Thankfully for Iowa, Minnesota had at least that many drops themselves, and their passing game was is atrocious. So there was a good deal of missed execution there in the passing game. Iowa's offensive line, they can't run block that well this year, but they're pretty good pass blocking. It's the best pass blocking we've seen in two or three seasons, maybe from Iowa. And so Stanley wasn't helped out uh, a great deal uh, by his receivers tonight. Matt Vandenberg dropped a beautifully thrown ball to the outside late in that game. And we all know when Iowa drops passes early in drives, early in, early in the down count, they're, they're unlikely to come back from that. They are just not a good enough offense this year to dig out of those holes. So I thought Stanley had a good game. Even though his statistics were not gaudy, his teammates didn't do him a lot of favors. That touchdown pass that he threw to Noah Fant, that was a 45-yard throw. That was a beautiful throw right in the bucket. Fant had his guy beat by 10 yards. His guy's playing catch-up all the way across the field, diagonally right to left. Just a, just a perfectly thrown ball. So Nate Stanley, uh, the last couple of weeks, We've seen definite progress from him with regards to his deep throws from what we saw early in the season where he wasn't putting as much air under the ball. They were more line drive throws. We haven't seen that from him. We've seen definite improvement. Iowa's running game, not a great deal of improvement. Although tonight in this game, they averaged 3.8 yards per carry on 33 carries, and that's actually a better number than their season average. Akram Wadley was 16 carries for 70 yards. He had a big-time bell ringer in the second quarter. I think Iowa, Iowa did send him to the tunnel early. I think they probably went through some concussion protocol with him. Looked like a head-to-head shot that wasn't reviewed or called. James Butler played this game in a big right arm brace to protect his injured elbow. Um, this will be his one and only year for Iowa. The medical redshirt is now off the table that he came back from that injury and played. And I got to be honest, and I, this has this is nothing against James Butler the person or the player but when you're a one-armed running back and that one arm especially is your right arm which you are used to carrying the ball in more often than not and protecting I don't like that Iowa has better options than a one-armed running back and he also fumbled he fumbled the ball deep in Minnesota territory near the end of the first half that Iowa really could have used points from that drive. So, yeah, did Torrin Young fumble once? Yeah, he did. Has Ivory Kelly Martin fumbled? Yeah. But you know what? I think they're better than a one-armed running back. And frankly, Iowa's backup running back being a one-armed running back is almost a little poetic with regards to this season's offensive attack, is it not? It is, in my opinion. Uh, Butler with 11 carries. 
that one arm for 28 yards. I just I don't like that. Amir Smith Marset bounced back after that uh, big time. I mean, do you call? I mean, I don't know if you call it a drop. The ball hit him right in the face mask. Um, he had one carry for 17 yards on a reverse. Uh, he had one catch for eight yards. He was targeted twice. Nick Easley. Five targets on the night, five catches for 49 yards. Noah Fant, three for 67 with the aforementioned 45-yard touchdown reception. TJ Hawkinson, two catches for 26 yards, targeted four times. He had at least one. No, he had two drops. The one uh, on the outside on third down and then one across the middle. Uh, he should have caught that one as well. Um, so just, just another inconsistent night. For the Iowa, 15 first downs for both teams. Iowa just 3 of 14 on third downs. And I don't even want to think about Ohio State coming to town next week with this type of offensive inefficiency, uh, if that's even the right thing to say. You know, but I will say this. Iowa started out and went back to it late. They started out the game, three consecutive plays on first down. They threw the ball. In this game, Iowa had 27 first down plays. They ran the ball 18 of those 27 times. The other nine times, they threw it. They were eight of nine passing on first downs for 126 yards. You need to throw the ball more on first down. They actually averaged 4.3 yards per carry on those 18 first down runs. It's just second and third down for Iowa wasn't very good. Iowa's average third down conversion distance in this game, 6.9. Again, for this team and this offense and this uh, and this coaching era, that's a losing number. That is not a number that you are going to do much with if you're Iowa, and they haven't during the Kirk Ferentz era. You've got to be third and three. You've got to be third and four to give yourself a chance to have more more plays available to you, to have more formations available to you, and to be less predictable. This offense far too often struggles because it's predictable, and it puts itself in behind-the-chain situations like that, and it's just not capable of overcoming those things. Hasn't been, even in some of their better years, Iowa is not a good behind-the-chains type of team. When I say behind-the-chains, I mean on first down, if you only get one or two, then you're second and eight, you're behind the chains. That's off-schedule. If you're third and six or seven longer or longer, you're behind schedule. And it just reduces your playbook and it reduces your margin for error. And when you're an Iowa team that doesn't have a great deal of playmakers to begin with in the passing game, it's something that absolutely kills you from the get-go. It, it just it just takes it makes it that much harder for Iowa to do much of anything. Thankfully, Minnesota is a team that's just horrible throwing the football, and they too struggled mightily on third down. In this game, third downs for Minnesota, they were 4-16. and 16. Their quarterback, Demry Croft, 9 of 29 throwing for 139 yards and one interception. Joshua Jackson with a fantastic game. Uh, I think he was credited with maybe three uh, three pass breakups in this game, but I think he had more than that. Let's see. He, you know, he's credited with four, so there you go. He had a fantastic game. Broke up one in the end zone that Jake Dravos uh, wound up coming in and intercepting. So I would say your player of the game is probably Josh Jackson. He would be my player of the game if, if I was given a vote. Josie Jewell with 11 tackles. He was in some noticeable pain out there uh, in the game late shoulder still bothering him going to need him a full go for any chance against Ohio State. 
Sports have been in the news lately and not necessarily because of the outcome of the game. Truth is, sports have always been about more than the game. Playing sports was the first time many of us ever learned what it was like to work as a team, or the first time we unlocked that competitive spirit. Listening to and watching sports triggered our imagination of what it'd be like to be a part of the starting lineup, playing alongside our heroes, or we made memories with our dad, siblings, and friends. Being a fan is special. It's a bond you have, not just with the people you watch with, but with the team you follow too. So when you fly that team's flag on Saturdays or Sundays, or walk by the wall banner in your basement or office, or see another flag flying around town of your team's rival, we know it's more than just a flag. It's an emotion. It's a memory. It's your fan manifested and if you don't have a flag to fly well let us help you with that heartland flagpoles and flags has nearly every flag from every team from every sport if you're in central iowa shop our store at 3719 southwest 9th in des moines or shop us anywhere in the world heartlandflags.com next week so this isn't going to be a podcast where I sit here and say for you know multiple minutes talking about preseason expectations. You've already heard that one, so you know where I stand on that. I understand the frustration. I mean, even though you know this season's kind of going the way I thought it would, it doesn't mean that it's not frustrating at times. It doesn't mean Iowa can't do more offensively to give themselves a better chance. And there were times in this game, which we've seen in most games, there were times in this game where it looked like they had you know an idea of what their tendencies were and they were going off script and, and going against those ten- tendencies especially in that first play first drive five plays 80 yards you know three consecutive passes to start the game on three first down plays Akron Wadley's touchdown did not come on a zone blocking play it came on a, a, a pure play where Iowa was trying to run through a specific hole which they don't do that a lot so they did mix some things up it just you know they didn't mix it up a lot and there was there, there were it was late in the game either the second to third possession for Iowa from the end of the game where on first down TJ Hawkinson gained 10 yards and was called for holding on a play where he caught a ball, he chucked the defensive end. That was a horrible freaking holding call. Absolutely pathetic. There were three holding calls on Iowa in this game. They all three sucked. They were bad calls. But anyway, so then Iowa's in first and 20. On first and 20, they run the ball. On second and like 18, they run the ball. So they put themselves in third and 11. And they're just too predictable of a team. And they don't have enough weapons to get out of those situations. Those are the kinds of things that drive you crazy. They irritate me as well. So I get it. I understand your frustration. And that crowd tonight, and this is not a knock on the crowd that was there. Iowa didn't give them a lot to cheer about. And there was a little booing. I'm surprised there wasn't more. And there, it, it, it at times sounded apathetic and it was cold you go in a game to be entertained and it's cold like that and yeah that just was not all that much fun to watch but they won they're five and three ohio state probably you know second or third in the country next week coming to town they my gosh offensively they're really tough defensively if you think Iowa has had struggles running the ball thus far, I just hope Nate Stanley comes out of that game alive. Now, I might have sounded like this last year after the Michigan State game when, when or Penn State game when Michigan was coming to town. I probably did. It'd be great if Iowa could pull another miracle out. I don't see that happening next week. But there'll be plenty of time to talk about that 
in the coming week. As I sit here at 9.13 p.m. on Saturday, immediately following the game, you know, Iowa plays Purdue and Nebraska still. Uh, also, Wisconsin, who did not look good against Illinois. They, I they think they're pretty overrated. But um, Purdue leads Nebraska 17-12 at the end of three quarters. Nebraska with four field goals uh, in this game. That has not been a very scintillating game as I followed the box score during this game. Tanner Lee's thrown for 239, but Nebraska's only run for 44 yards against Purdue. Purdue's only, you know, they've ran for 170 actually against Nebraska. Dace and I will talk more about that game uh, later on this weekend. That'll do it for this installment of the HN Instant Reaction Podcast. Thank you to Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. Visit them at heartlandflags.com and also to Exile Brewing Company for their continued support of the HN Podcast. And thank you for listening to it as well. 